0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast on uk. My name is David and today uh, it's me for Stats of the Day. Instead of Karam who's earned himself a well-earned break. You did get some Karam action of course this week with his fixtures video earlier on in the week which was actually a great uh, favour to myself as I've had some awful computer issues this week. Thankfully all resolved just in time for me to then return the favour and cover for Karam on Saturday night of course stats of the day is an opportunity to have a look back at the games that we've had on saturday see how they've gone for our team so far pull out a couple of top lines uh, as we move forward into the next game week uh, and see how we've all got on so if you've had a particularly difficult day which i'm going to guess is most of you because i've not had a very good day and my team is very similar to a lot of yours and let us know in the chat let us know how you got on if you had a good day this is a good space to brag as well um, i'm certainly not going to judge you people in the chat might but you know I'm sure you guys are willing to brave that you've had a good week. Um, So far, we've got Ryan in the chat who's had 33 points from a Salah captaincy. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I do think that one of the things we're going to be talking about um, with some of the stuff that's going to be in the chat is the Son captaincy, especially because that is one that didn't pay off, unfortunately. Um, I I, I didn't go for Son. I was a bit too scared to... uh, bit too scared sorry that's the wrong way of saying it i was scared because i stuck with the plan of rolling the transfer so that i didn't have son and yeah um i i'm surprised i was expecting that to go really badly for me it didn't son did blank was not expecting that at all so if you are a son captain let us know in the chat we'll do our best to console you we're going to have a look at the story of that blank as part of the stats as well so uh yeah, uh, you make yourself known so we can have a good chat about where things went wrong. There, what you're going to do with Son moving forward? Matthews here on 27 points. Um, he's he's calling boatman, but I'm guessing you mean botman <laughs> uh, on the bench for a stupid man. Uh, so that's good. 17 points for Vie. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, ben brought in Alvarez this week, um, so that's good. I think he, I think he returned as well. Uh, Matthew uh, says lesson learned. Always Captain Harland. Well, yes, uh, I'm going to guess uh, Matthew didn't cap well didn't captain harland's my guess matthew if you're a song captain, let me know uh we got uh anna ruther on 51 points top 2k in the world wow incredible that's fantastic still got saka turner and Chilwell to play wow that's that's incredible you definitely are the, the highest performing person in the chat so far uh tms uh, killer rat stuck with harland even though he bought son so yeah good good move there uh, Yazan thirty two with Salah captaincy. Will Salah get that third assist? Well, unfortunately, uh, I can't tell you. That's not down to me. <laughs> um, but fingers crossed for you, man. Um, Vi did captain Son, Rashford, and Bruno let down again, and Blank as well. Oof, yeah, it's a tough one. And well, what you will see on the screen, of course, it's a red arrow for me as well, and we're going to have a look at why that is at the moment as well. So I've dropped actually quite a lot. This is my biggest red arrow of the season so far. Uh, my first red arrow was going into game week four. Dropped from nineteen k to. 82k i think it was and then today i've dropped from 82k to 236k um, it's not been a good day for my team. But I've got a few options playing on Sunday, so I'm relatively confident. And uh, there's a couple of things that I'm relatively confident about looking forward to the future because I am, of course, on two free transfers. So um, it's it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Saturday that's sort of ended as a bit of a damp squib, but it doesn't have to be all uh, doom and gloom. Now, before we jump into uh, the, the main stuff we're going to look at, uh, first things first, quick reminder to like the video uh, if you're having a good time. Let's get some likes in honour of Karam having a much-earned holiday. Um, he uh, He's definitely earned that. Uh, so yeah, let's get some likes in for him uh, subscribe to the channel as well and hit the bell notification so you don't miss a thing uh, moving forward and a couple of messages as well we'll start off with the with the obvious one we're going to have a look at some tables and some well you read it uh, already on the thumbnail and it's going to do exactly what it says on the tin stats and we've got some incredible stats coming to you from the uh, fantasy football scout members area so uh, if you enjoy any of the stats that you like seeing here uh, then do consider signing up for, for a membership if you haven't done already you can still save up to 30 uh, percent on those preseason prices and before we get into the real good stuff we've just got a quick message from our sponsor uh, today's video is sponsored by betway the principal betting partners of west ham and the betting partner of brighton on fridays they announce their heroes for the weekend if you bet 10 pound on player markets top scorer of the heroes they will credit a one pound free bet for every point up to twenty pounds. Betway are also running giveaways, which include shirts and tickets for West Ham and Brighton. We know not everybody gambles, which is something we take very seriously. Which is why on our website we have a filter that you can turn on, which allows you to opt out of gambling ads. And for those who do enjoy it do it so do it responsibly and safely there's more info about it in the description you of course have to be over 18 and we encourage everybody to gamble responsibly and to be gambleware.org when the fun stops stop but as i said even though uh, it's been a difficult day in fpl i will still say the fun never stops when it comes to fpl because it's just there's always something going on Always something going on. Um, there's loads of other people mentioned here with, with red arrows. I am one of those people. Just the 23 points for me on Saturday so far. Uh, so I've dropped down to two, three, six Let's go through the guys I had in my team. So I rolled the transfer this morning. I toyed with getting Son. I could have gone Foden to Son. I think that was he was probably the most likely person to do it. But as I mentioned this morning, I, I, I felt like Son would probably punish me this week. And then I thought, well, the Arsenal and the Liverpool game just I'm not too sure and I prefer Man City's fixtures across the next three and I also already had Madison so it wasn't like I felt like I was going to miss out you know I've statistically Madison was the most likely person to assist a Son goal for example so I felt like I had enough I felt like I had enough uh, and in the end it proved actually to, to work out but not necessarily in getting me a green arrow. It just means my red arrow could have been much bigger if uh, Son didn't get some. If you know, than if Son had got something. So yeah, no changes for me. There was a few substitutions though because Anderson and and I dropped them both to my bench. I brought Cash in. Um, I've got Gabriel in, and he's going to play tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed there. Uh, then Flecken, thankfully, uh, did exactly what I needed him to do against Newcastle, which was to blank because I've started Turner. So I've, I've got Chilwell to come tomorrow. So even in my defence, that's three guys who are going to play tomorrow. But but yeah, just the one point for cash, one point for Madison, got his yellow card, of course. Two points from Burmo, it's a blank, which uh, I think is the first one this season. And but the thing is, what that means for Newcastle defence, I, I'm not unhappy because it tells me what I needed to know about Newcastle defence moving forward, and we'll get onto that a little bit later. Uh, Diaby on five points, two points for Foden. Saka's playing tomorrow. Jackson's playing tomorrow. Who's still a bit of a differential at my rank, which is nice to see. If you haven't used LiveFPL.net, um, then then you have to then you got to jump in. It's incredible. Go to LiveFPL.net and uh, put your team ID into the site, and it will give you a live. Uh, and updating rank of your team and uh, all the individual stats on your players throughout the day is much faster than the fpl app as well which takes a long time to update this tells you it in real time but also gives you an idea of not just your rank it will give you a live rank but it will give you other stuff like showing you on the screen this these are the these are the ownerships at my current rank bracket so i know which players i want to be invested in not invested in which players are hurting me the most most weeks to the next which players in my team are benefiting most all sorts of great stuff there so go and use that site if you've not done it uh, already so yeah uh, down to 236 points Harland, my captain of course just uh, the 12 points which proved to be the right decision i think in the end i mean sal has done very well today um, we're going to talk about that in just a sec. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not unhappy. I'm, I'm not happy, but I'm not unhappy, which I suppose when it comes to FPL uh, is a decent place to be in. Samuel in the chat says, when are bonus points in? I mean, it, it varies from game week to game week, uh, but I would imagine probably in the next hour or so we're going to see them in the main app. For now, we can view them in live FPL. I don't think I got any bonus today, though. So... If you're looking at the screen and thinking there's a lack of bonus, well, that's uh, <laughs> that's not FPL or Live FPL's fault. That's my player's fault and my fault for picking them. Now, I have put my bus team on the screen uh, for what I'm doing next week. Uh, Flecken's obviously going to come back in because Brentford face uh, Everton. Stupinan comes back in. He didn't actually play today, which is actually, I think, good news because it means that he's had his rest now and he's so integral to this team. I think he's going to come back in for the Bournemouth game. That's a nice one. Anderson back in for Crystal Palace uh, because they're playing Fulham because, of course, I do want to get uh, Cash on the bench because he's playing Chelsea. I want to get... Gabriel on the bench because he's playing Tottenham. So they're the changes there. And I've still got the captaincy on Haaland. So that's what I'm looking at for game week six. Um, yeah, I'm not unhappy. I think my team looks good for next week. And, of course, I have the two free transfers as well. Uh, Vice says, my rank drops from 300k to 1.3 million with only my Chelsea triple up left to play. Yeah, it's been a tough day. I'm not surprised there, to be honest. Lots of red arrows all around. Um, ABC789 says, Baldox out for Gabori or Anderson for Luton. Double game week seven. Um Yeah, I think that's not a bad shout. I think we probably want to be moving towards hopefully just having some finger in the pie that is double game week seven. And that could be a nice low risk way of doing it. Ben Salter says, do I get rid of Watkins? Well, you could maybe think about getting rid of Watkins perhaps for for Morris for this double game week coming up. Of course, he didn't score today. Um, but I do think you want to be looking at you you might start being frustrated in a couple of weeks time because I think that Villa's fixtures get really nice uh, and uh, I'm certainly looking at still being heavily invested in Villa come game week 9 when their fixtures turn quite nicely they're being targeted by a few teams uh, already in the planning stages of a game week 9 wildcard so do keep that at the back of your mind that Villa's fixtures are going to turn into a really nice direction so um, we've gone through my team and we've gone through the sort of general gist of chat so um, what I'm going to do for stats of the day today I'm going to pick out two games and we're going to very briefly go through some interesting stats from those two games uh, that are relevant to some big FPL talking points and then I'm going to take you through the rest of the stats for the whole day. Uh, If you want to have a look at some of the specific detail of some of the games I'm going to talk through now, we're going to start with Wolves versus Liverpool, then we're going to talk about Tottenham against Sheffield United and then the other games I'm going to kind of round up in a couple of tables that kind of sum up statistically the whole day. Now if you want to get the level of detail that I'm going to be able to go into for the Wolves game and the Spurs game, uh, then of course, the members area is a place to find that and if you've got a membership already one of my favorite things to do on a Saturday night if I don't have social plans which is (laughs) not as often as you think um, is just to go through the members area and have a look at some of the things we can have a look at for some of the games because it helps uh, tell the story of those games and help build for the next week and some of the uh, decisions that need making so let's start with Wolves against Liverpool the lunchtime game and the 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 main thing I want to pick out here is is Mohamed Salah, which feels like a bit of an obvious thing to say because, you know, here here he is on a Saturday night and he thinks he can sound insightful talking about Mohamed Salah. Well, we are at the stage where he's not, you know, so much the king of FPL as he used to be. He has been marginally dethroned, of course, by Haaland, who's now in 92% of teams. Um and so because of that it does it does make me think you know I'm just double checking Salah's ownership right now because uh, yeah I think there's going to be a time when we're going to want 26% that is very very low for him and it's, it's his first double figure points haul of the season today and I think that that's worth taking note of because I've already referenced the fact that there's going to be wild cards getting played probably around game week 9 to try and lean into the very very uh, steep fixture swing we're going to have lots and lots of teams all of a sudden having you know having kind of all right, fixtures now, some cases awful fixtures, swinging around to having fantastic fixtures from Game Week 9 onwards. We're also going to see some teams having really nice fixtures at the moment. Man City and Chelsea are two uh, examples of that, who have really poor fixtures from Game Week 9. So a whole team restructure in Game Week 9 seems quite quite likely whether you play the wild card or not and building towards that I think is really important because there's lots of teams changing fortunes at the same time and right now it's very difficult to justify Salah in the the team structures but from game week nine I think we have to be considering him now As a lot of people who've been thinking and hoping that by the time we get to game week nine one of the the cheaper Liverpool assets like a Diaz or a Hakpo Uh, or a Nunez or a Jota has presented enough of a case that we can go with him instead of having to go for Salah now unfortunately for those of you out there hoping to try and save some money at that particular stage of season from what we're seeing so far it does look as if Salah is the one to go for but there's so much there's so much interesting stuff here to unpack it's not quite as simple as Salah good because Salah seems to be playing almost a different type of role in this Liverpool team this season. It's really, really fascinating. Um, So far this season, we'll go over what he's achieved. First things first, he shouldn't be ignored because he is the third highest scoring midfielder so far. Bowen and Bermo are the only two players who have more FPL points than him in midfield so far. Appreciate that. We haven't finished the game week yet. So that could change, but he's in a decent position. Six attacking returns in the first five. That's not bad. You know, that's... That's reliability right there. But it's how those returns have come. Just the two goals, which I think is why he's still under the radar, because he's not scoring as often as he was last season. But he's still getting returns because he's had four assists. And what we're seeing is, in a lot of the numbers, that it's almost like Salah is not necessarily the chief goal threat in this team anymore, in terms of actually just simply getting the goals. But we will look at his goal threat in a second. He is, however, becoming almost the arch-creator. Um, and we saw similar numbers for that in today's game against Wolves now um, what we saw was uh, let's have a look here what we've got on the screen right now is this particular game Wolves against Liverpool all players in this match sorted by shots on goal so Diaz three shots Hakpo three shots Elliot, three shots we had uh, Cunha, Nunez and Shabozlai all level on two and Salah Just had the one effort on goal. It was in the box. It wasn't a big chance. And he didn't get it on target either. And so in this particular game, Diaz and Hakpo much more threatening on the goal. Uh, Diaz had 11 penalty box touches. Salah had 8. So he wasn't ahead for that one either. That's a stat he's usually pretty good for. Uh, For Diaz and Gakpo's shots, all three of their shots were in the box. They each had a big chance each. And they both had a shot. Target now, you're probably sat there going, hmm, David said that you know Salah's worth having, but he's already showing us that today he wasn't really Liverpool's chief golfer. Well, yeah, that very much is the case. Um, however, um, what we do need to consider is his creativity. Now, uh, in this particular game today, Salah created five chances that was more than any other Liverpool player, he created two big chances, which was also more than any other Liverpool player. So, not only was he the most persistent creator, he was also the chief creator in terms of that quality as well. Now, of course, Trent Alexander-Arnold wasn't involved today, but what we've seen so far this season, it, it, it doesn't seem to be making um, a difference, um, you know, in the sense that uh, Alexander-Arnold not being there doesn't necessarily mean that Salah um, has taken on more of a creator's role because he was kind of already outperforming uh, Alexander-Arnold in this particular role already so looking at what he'd achieved so far this season 12 chances created across the first 5 matches for Salah just the 9 for Trent Alexander-Arnold Alexander-Arnold had created two big chances across the first four matches. Well, now across the first five, Salah has created six big chances. And interestingly enough, no player in the Premier League has created more big chances in the first five matches than Salah. Now, as I said, that doesn't include uh, the Sunday games and the Monday game, which if you're listening to this on either Sunday or Monday, obviously those will be in those tables now. So do go and have a look. Um, But yeah, the main point here is that the best quality creator so far this season is Mohamed Salah. Really, really fascinating. Um, In terms of comparing him with other people, because I did say I do think he is the one who is emerging as the best one. The thing about Diaz and Yahakpos and all those other players, they aren't necessarily offering creativity even close to what Salah is. Uh, And Salah, for the most part this season, seems to be largely matching them for goal threat, which is unfortunately a situation whereby if you want to try and get the guy in the Liverpool team who's going to be at the hub of everything and of course he does as far as we are aware still have penalties it does look like Salah is the guy to go for now what I'm going to put on the screen uh, now is uh, the the general goal threat stats for the most uh, attacking guys in the Liverpool team so far this season based on the stats uh, and what we can see is that, yep, yeah, today perhaps a little bit of an anomaly in the sense that Salah was less involved in the goal threat than usual. Um, and just in terms of that assist potential, it, his assist role in the team continued. You know, we saw a similar trend of what we'd seen up until now. So he was a little bit less involved than usual today. And he has been a little bit less involved than we'd perhaps like him to be in the goals than we're used to. Um, here's how he compares with his best performing goal threat. Rivals in the Liverpool team in EPR. So 10 shots in the box so far this season for Salah. Uh, the only Liverpool player with more than that is Diaz on 11. And he's probably the chiefest of the threats because he's probably going to play more minutes. What you'll see on the screen is Nunes is down there with eight shots in the box from admittedly, yes, 164 minutes. And so his minutes per shot in the box is obviously much better. But you do have to factor into the fact that he's had this little injury, but also. Nunez is not not nailed in this team and that's why the minutes are low. So you can't really bank on that minutes per, really. Uh, big chances so far. The only Liverpool player with more big chances uh, afforded to them this season is Nunez. Uh, so Salah's had four, Nunez had five and Diaz has had three. And then when it comes to the accuracy, Salah is actually still the best across the course of the whole campaign so far. As I said, it's not this sort of incredibly high levels we're used to but hopefully he can kind of top up that dip in goal threat with this massive boost in assist potential which we've not really seen from him in quite some time Uh, seven shots on target for salah four for diaz three for nunez and three for subosla who's largely having his efforts outside the box no big chances for him and just two in the box i did see in the chat ben was asking if uh, first was perhaps a nice differential i mean maybe his 7 million it's a nice price but yeah his threat is from outside the box really he's not had a single big chance yet so it's hard to bank on him you know getting lots of big opportunities and Unfortunately, Salah is also infinitely much better as a creator than him so far. 12 chances created for Salah, just the 8 for Szoboszlai. 6 big ones for Salah and just 1 big one for Szoboszlai. So largely, it looks like Salah is kind of the best of all those categories. And as I said, summing up this little section on what we've seen from Liverpool so far, when we do get to that fixture swing, I'm really struggling to see a standout rival at Liverpool to Salah. And that's really important to be aware of because when we start restructuring our teams... We, I think we're going to have to make room for Salah. I think that's going to be what happens. We're going to have to try and make some space in midfield, which is going to be tricky because right now we're, we're blessed with lots of mid-price midfielders. But when those fixtures turn, I think Salah's going to start being in the captaincy conversation based on what we're seeing so far. Now, speaking of captaincy, I hate to do it to you song, captainers, but we are going to have to revisit... Uh, what's happened today to try and establish why Son blanked against Sheffield United. Um, And from what we can see, it does look as if um, uh, actually good point actually in there from uh, Di Valentino 007, Salah has missed penalties. Take, read that how you want. You could say, arguably if he's put those away, he'd be the top scoring FPL midfielder. Perhaps maybe we're a bit nervous if he does get a penalty and you've captained him, maybe it's going to harm you. So do actually think about that. And we do need to keep listening out for quotes from Klopp on what the latest is on that. Possibly might be better for Salah if someone else, you know, as an FPL asset, if someone else takes them, because we're not going to lose points so often. Uh, but yeah, let's bring it. Let's bring it on to Spurs now. Um, <laughs> I don't actually know how to say this name. I think it says Manyan Yato Son and Madders Blank. Oh, heaven sent. Well, that sounds like someone who doesn't have either of those players. Um, yeah, tricky one today uh, for, for people who own these two players. Because what we saw from Sheffield United going into this game was that their defense hadn't been particularly good up until now. But they did put on uh, a sort of rear guard effort today which is perhaps not too surprising because we saw them sort of stick everyone behind the ball and be very difficult to beat against man city and they did exactly the same today now from i haven't had a chance to watch the game because in the uk you can't watch the 3 p.m games and so i've had to uh, sort of pick up bits and bobs from listening on the radio and reading some reports and of course we'll be able to watch matches a day later and we'll be able to get um, a more accurate fix on what this game really looked like um, from from an eye test perspective but everything that I've collated about this game so far suggests that what's happened is, is that Sheffield United have stuck everyone behind the ball again and that has really frustrated Spurs. Now Spurs' style of play has done very well this season but they've managed to achieve it against teams that don't necessarily stick everyone behind the ball they're playing a new exciting uh, type of uh, you know uh, high press intense attacking football and against teams like brentford man united Uh, teams that are going to go out and try and play with the ball because they're teams that are based around having the ball, this type of football is going to work very effectively because it's going to open up space for Spurs to ask questions of that space, punish teams and score goals. Uh, Against Bournemouth and Burnley, they're two teams that do actually try to go toe-to-toe toe-for-toe with these possession-based teams. They are not two teams that are going to stick everyone behind the ball. They might have been in the past, Burnley especially, but if there's one thing we know about Burnley under company is that they are not Sean Dyche footballers anymore. They are the sort of teams that are going to open up space because they're going to try and defend by having the ball but that's not going to work if you're playing Spurs because if you've just come up from the championship and you've got a largely newly assembled team because they lost all their lone players. So those two teams Bournemouth and Burnley I suppose they were always going to concede lots of goals. Now this was actually the first time this season that Spurs' exciting, incisive and intensive attacking football that involves a lot of high press came up against A team that just plays a low block. I know some people don't like that expression, but that's just what Sheffield United did today. And when you play teams that sit super deep and they lock that space down, that high press doesn't work so well because how can you press the fullback when he's in possession if when he gets the ball, he just kicks it 60 yards and says, all right, you come again. And that seems to be what's happened here. Um, Yeah, Daniel in the chat, Spurs fan, says it was a very frustrating game to watch. Um can believe that from everything that I've collected from this game so far. Um, And I feel a bit silly, to be honest. I feel frustrated in myself in terms of the Son question has been a big one all week. And I hadn't quite noticed yet, looking back at the opponent Spurs have played so far, none of those teams are low-block teams. Burnley especially, not anymore. Sheffield United are. And maybe that perhaps playing some role in what would happen here. Now, I'm, I'm frustrated because I feel like I've not brought the level of content to you guys that I would like to. I'm not frustrated from a personal perspective because I didn't sign Son and I didn't captain him either. But um, it's a bit frustrating to sort of notice it in hindsight because perhaps could have anticipated it beforehand. What that's meant for the game is really fascinating for Son's positioning. Now, Son's positioning has been something we've been having an eye on all season, especially in the context of, oh, look, he's finally played centre-forward against Burnley. Now he's got his hat-trick. If he's going to play centre-forward moving on, maybe that's good. Of course, with this um sort of saga that has ended up with him winning the game for them. It's incredible uh, narrative, really, outside of FPL, because I don't think anyone's really got Richarlison anymore. Um, you know, I mean, what a game. I mean, who would have expected it to go that way? But we kind of all assumed that Son was going to keep his place as a centre-forward. From what we can see, that's how we lined up today. Centre-forward once again, but the heat map. The heat map is very interesting. Now, what we can see here is that there is actually not as much penalty box action from Son as we would like and hope and expect for. And again, that's probably because of this low block. Now, Daniel, uh, uh, I'm guessing you're at the game today. Daniel, in the chat, you've mentioned uh, uh, or sort of having seen the game. Let us know if. Um, what I'm seeing in the heat map matches up with what you saw at the game because what I can see here is a lot of touches from Son where he is kind of around the edge of the box. There's loads of touches from Son in what I would describe as the number 10 position. There's loads of touches from Son in what I would describe as the number 8 position. There's loads of touches from him in the center circle. There's a couple of touches from him in his own box. Arguably, it looks like he's trying to play the Harry Kane role. You know, in games where they're not able to play that slick, fluid attacking football. I mean, we've seen it you know, uh, every level of football. When we even saw Harry Kane have to do this for England against Ukraine, when the team, when the centre forward feels like chances aren't being created for him, sometimes if they're a leadership figure in the team and Son very much is that now, they take it upon themselves to drop deep to try and create because people aren't creating for them. And what I can see here in this heat map, that's what happened with Son today. There's just so many touches in the wrong parts of the field. What that then meant for the penalty box touches, he only touched the ball five times in the penalty box against Sheffield United Against the low block, I mean, maybe that's just what happens. Um, Kuliszewski, however, he had a real fun time. He had 14 shot, uh, fourteen touches in the box, I should say. Uh, Basuma five as well. So it, what it means is is that Richarlison, who came on in the second half, he had the same number of touches in the box as Son, and Destinu Doggy and Eves Basuma, the central midfielder, both touched the ball the same number of times in the box as Son. Then, if we have a look at how often he had shots, uh, Son had just three efforts on goal. They were all very, very low XG chances. Only, uh, I think, only so only two were in the box. One was outside, and yeah, it just that limitation of how often he was able to be involved in the box because it was just so crowded. Just put him into a position where he wasn't really able uh, to do uh, his usual stuff. And so, yeah, let's now have a look at shots in this game for Son, seven shots for Kuliszewski, four for Solomon, and then Son had three himself, um, Madison had three as well, and Pape Sarr had three, so he was joint third in this game. Um, Lars has pointed out Spurs p- perhaps robbed of a penalty in the first half. Uh, if they get that score, it would have been a different game. I mean, it's a fair point. If they, if they, When you face a low block, if you get an early goal, it can usually cause the floodgates to open because that team has to come out and play Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, that's the situation with, with Son today. Uh, very much a victim of circumstance, I think. Um, I don't think if you've ca- if you've brought Son in and you've captained him, I don't think you need to be um, too hard on yourself. There's definitely going to be people out there who feel that way. I always say, please, please never try and feel bad about anything that goes wrong in FPL because... It's like life. Things are going to go wrong sometimes and it's all about how you respond to those things and if you can respond with a cool head and you can respond and maybe not give give yourself the right amount of credit for the successes and the failures, it's going to help you make better decisions in the future. So please... Don't raise transfers on now. That's my, probably my first request. Um, and just sit on it. Sit on it, I would think. And I think when we look forward to the games coming up, interestingly enough, now it's, this is going to flip on its head now. A lot of people who've talked against Son would have said, oh, Arsenal-Liverpool game, bit worried about that. You know, the Sheffield United one looks good. Those ones don't. And, and I said that too. I'm guilty of that too. I think that a lot of us... I'm going to take responsibility for this. I think a lot of us in the community are responsible for dropping the ball a little bit on the discussion around Son, um, really, to be honest, um, going into the internet. So, yeah, apologies for that one. But bearing in mind, every time we get another game, we get another opportunity to assess the data, right? And we get another opportunity to assess all the different factors that impact that data. Now, what we've seen so far is we've seen Spurs look very exciting against Brentford, Man United, Bournemouth, Burnley. Four teams that try to defend by possession and try to control games with possession. Spurs are going to do very well against those teams. And we know they're going to because they've already done it. Twice they scored against Brentford, who have a good defence. Twice they scored against United in a big top six game. You know, they've seen off Burnley and Bournemouth by a scoreline of 7-2. to two and if they're facing Arsenal and Liverpool next and they're much more effective against those types of teams than they are against your Sheffield United then that right there is reason enough to hold on to Son not get too uh, sort of itchy about it and think "Oh, I'm going to move him on now for these difficult fixtures I think if you've made your decision to go with Son your team is going to be in better shape if you stick with that and give him the opportunity to actually operate in games from what we can see he's probably going to perform better in those games than he is in this one because he's just going to have more space he's going to have more opportunities to hit teams on the counter which is where he is at his best you have to say from what we know of him in his career up until now. Now let's just quickly finish off by having a look at the rest of how today got on. Um, we'll just we'll go through the results just to remind people of uh, who got uh, what in which game. So we've already covered off Liverpool, we've covered off Spurs as well. We had a 3-1 win for Aston Villa against Crystal Palace uh, Bailey, Louise, and uh, Duran got the goals and uh, Edouard scored for Palace. Dina, Watkins, D.R.B., and Mateta got the assist. 1-0 for Fulham against Luton. Vinicius Score with a Willian assist Man United lost 3-1 at home to Brighton uh, goal for Hannibal uh, Martin has got the assist there and then Gross and Shao Pedro of all people finally back on the score sheet Welbeck as well with an assist for Lamptey and an assist I think it's two assists for Dinger actually uh, and then we had West Ham against Man City uh, win for, for Man City 3-1 there Haaland, Doku and Bernardo getting the goals Alvarez and I think it's two assists for Bernardo uh, then uh, Sofal got the assist for War Prowse's goal apologies to whoever it was I told to bench War Prowse out of the four- he had four players he was going to bench, and one of them was which one to bench. I picked War Prowse from the lineup, and he's on gone and scored. So, as I said, I've dropped the ball there. I do apologise, my mistake there. So, if that's uh, if that's you, you're watching this video, you're checking this one out. Get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm very happy to issue you with a personal apology there as well. Um, then, of course, Newcastle rounded off today day with a one-nil win against Brentford. Now, we're going to go through some of the numbers here. We'll start off with total attempts on goal. Who, um, which teams are the ones who were the most persistent in front of net well of course you'd be no no surprise of course to see that Man City topped that list with 29 shots Spurs with 28 as I said to be honest it sounds like it was a game of FIFA (laughs) until the last couple of minutes it's the latest comeback win in Premier League history apparently because they were trailing in the 98th minute it's incredible Aston Villa and Liverpool both with 16 shots each. Very happy to see that Watkins and Diaby got something. I think today was a game where they were going to get something because Crystal Palace was short a few defensive assets. I think that moving forward, Villa assets are definitely worth considering when their fixtures get much nicer. Now, what's really interesting is that Man United had more shots than Brighton, but Brighton were more clinical. I can completely believe that, to be honest, based on what we've seen from those two teams so far this season. Now, the most anemic teams in front of goal today, Crystal Palace and West Ham with six shots each. Sheffield United and Luton with seven shots each now it's worth pointing this out actually when we talk about double game week 7 and interest in Morris and things like that the fact that Luton only had 7 shots on goal today that is arguably a damning indictment on what they're able to achieve now I talked about them a lot coming into this particular game week because Luton's fixtures were looking nice Fulham, Wolves, Everton, Burnley were their 4 fixtures between game week 5 and 7 because of course they played twice in game week 7 those four teams were all in the bottom seven for minutes per expected goals conceded in the first four matches. So, if Luton could only manage seven shots against Fulham today, I think that that's perhaps pushing me more in the direction of that they, they can't even be trusted with these nice fixtures. Let's have a look at the Wolves game, see how they get on there. But already, they're not off to a good start with the fact that they blanked there and only seven shots on goal, um, seven shots in the box. Three big chances. That's what we saw with them today. Um, So that's the goal attempts. Let's have a look at the XG to see if that changes things. Well, Luton do creep up the chance a little bit. The chances that they did have, while they didn't have many, were big. But, of course, they weren't able to put them away, which is also important as well. Because that clinical nature is something you are going to need in the Premier League. Now, the most important stats from this particular table, I think, have to be, firstly, Aston Villa with the second highest XG of the day. So, again, just further... Uh, to sort of pointing towards the fact that this is a high XG team, that when they've got good fixtures, you've got to be invested. So do keep that in mind when you're thinking about selling Watkins ahead of this nice fixture run coming up. DRB, I think, also deserves to be in the conversation, is in my team. So I would say that. But yeah, there's that. But The most important stat on this table has to be Brentford rock bottom on Saturday for expected goals. Just 0.54. They didn't get themselves uh, on the score sheet. Very unlike them. And of course, we know why they're playing Newcastle. Now, a lot of us have been interested in the Newcastle defence. The way that they finished last season defensively wasn't good. And so we had perhaps maybe been coming around to this idea that are they worth trusting? Well, I have to say what I've seen from Newcastle defence so far this season, I'm all in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to join the Toon Army at the back because the defensive numbers have been brilliant. They were in the top five for the best expected goals conceded over the first four matches. And when you consider that those first four matches actually pitted them against some really difficult teams, um, it's incredibly impressive that they've been able to achieve those numbers. So just pulling up uh, who they'd faced already so far they'd already faced loads of really difficult games and that's why we weren't invested in them Uh, Villa in the first game as we've seen they're a high XG side then they play City and then Liverpool and then they also face Brighton now they did admittedly lose that game 3-1 but to go into game week five facing just four of arguably the best teams and I mean all four of those teams are involved in Europe this season to come into that with really really good XG conceded numbers Maybe not that surprising they kept this clean sheet against Brentford. But the point is, the the, the green flags are all there. This Newcastle defence is ready to go. And when they have these fixtures, Sheffield United away, Burnley at home, West Ham away, Palace at home, Wolves away over the next five. Got Bournemouth away game week 12 as well. They've got some really nice fixtures. We know we need to be invested. Now the key here is who. And that is something that we're going to have to keep a continued eye on. And that's, But we've got 50% of the puzzle. We know the defence is ready because it's kept this clean sheet against Brentford. I think that's really, really important. Um, whether it's Botman or Trippier, I think that's going to depend uh, on... Um, Uh, I think that's really going to depend on what we see in Europe Um, and uh, yeah, perhaps maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a bit more information out of Eddie Howe before the next game week on how much rotation is going to affect Newcastle. So yeah, it's worth being aware of that. Here's how uh, players got on in terms of their XG today. Um, Haaland topped the day with nine shots joint. With uh, Rashford, admittedly. But, I mean, I have to say, I mean, I don't want to rub salt in the wounds of the Son captains because appreciate it. it might look like that's what I'm trying to do because I don't own him. But, I mean, the difference between him and Son today, Harland and Son, triple the shots for Harland. Um, you know, unfortunately, it's almost like twas ever thus, I guess. So, yeah that's the situation harland is still absolutely uh, firing the shots at goal um it must be said we it's worth pointing out that Visser was in the top four first shots uh, among players today four in the box as well and so it wasn't for i suppose lack of trying for brentford but newcastle just defended really really well um so it's worth keeping an eye on that as well um yeah that's probably the main talking points actually let's just point out watkins once again and um, we've um, actually got. I think it was uh, David Morrison in the chat saying, Watkins passes the eye test for me still. Great fixtures to come and a couple of halls around the corner. Yep, I know we're still waiting on Watkins. Waiting is suffering. Suffering is waiting. It's one of my favourite life expressions. Very much that's where you are with Watkins. But I do kind of feel like it's going to come good at some point. When we look at here, four shots today. Um, there's, uh, there's about six players who had more than him. So he's joint, I think, fifth best because there's a couple of players all tied on the same number. Four in the box. He's trying. He's trying, guys, and he did get an assist. So um, yeah, it's worth thinking there. Um, comment from AG about about Trippier was going to get Trippier, but decided to wait a week to Mister Brent for fixture. I know it's frustrating, but sometimes, sometimes we can allow ourselves this when we have situations whereby we feel like we want to invest in a team, but we're just waiting for a couple of extra boxes to get ticked. Um, it's it's okay because I think a lot of people aren't invested there, so it gives us the opportunity to to look. The fact it's a the fact it's a difficult game is good for you because it means you're not really losing too much for not going soon because other people aren't doing the same. You're not going to get punished, and so it might hurt. It might be frustrating to sort of feel like that's missed out points, but you know now. What you need to know. The Newcastle defence is ready to go and you haven't missed out too much because I don't think there would have been that many people invested in the Newcastle defence today. So don't worry too much. Um, Today's top creators, we already referred to this, but of course Salah very much up there. Five chances created. Two of them were big. Kulisevsky actually looked fantastic today. We've already looked at his shots. Five chances created for him as well, but three big chances created. Uh, Alvarez continues to be a really creative player for City. That's worth uh, noting as well. Um, and actually, do you know what? There's one other person I've not mentioned, and that is Pedro Neto. Pedro Neto has got 25 points so far this season and possibly more when bonus gets tagged uh, tagged along. He created four, four chances today. So the only player in the Liverpool Wolves game who created more chances than Neto was Salah. He's looking very good. And I'm just going to jump back to uh, the creativity for the whole season um, because... He's actually doing it. It wasn't just today. And I think that it, when Wolves fixtures get better, from what I'm seeing from Neto, I'm kind of scared of this, guys, because I think I might I might bomb my watch list. So <clears throat> let's have a look. 17 chances created. That's top five. <coughs> Pardon me. As top five for the, um, the, the quantity of chances created. And four big chances created for, for Neto so far. Salah is the only player with more. So if you're looking for those differentials, Neto still continues to tickle around the edges of that radar. And when those fixtures get much nicer, it will happen eventually. It's going to take a while because they keep having nice fixture, horrible fixture, nice fixture, horrible fixture. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think Neto's going to come into the conversation. Let's finish off with non-penalty XGI uh, so far this game week. Salah Haaland, top the charts, twas ever thus. Uh, but that boy Neto, top six so far this particular game week. So yeah, do keep uh, an eye on there. Um, well, I'll finish with just on one question. Barata says, should I move on from Watkins? He has been uh, he has been contributing to be fair. Yeah, that's what we were just talking about there. Perhaps you've maybe missed the, the little chat we've had if you're only just joining us. I do apologize, I'm about to round it up. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think I've seen enough from Watkins and he's tickling he's ticking along um and ticking over enough that I think that when the fixtures get really good, I think you're gonna be happy that you, you kept him. Alternatively, um, if you have him and you're gonna wild card before the fixtures get good, I think D R B is the one I prefer. Because he is just going to get you more points on account of him being a midfielder. Um, junior says no, he's a troll. I mean, he was last season, but he isn't this season. In the sense that his stats are looking good. And he's at, and he's got 25 points so far. Turns in each of his last three. So, I'm seeing enough for him to at least be on my watch list. <laughs> that's all I'll say I'm not going to go out as far as to say that you know he's definitely going to be fantastic but he's worth keeping an eye on well that brings me to the end of today's show um, hopefully you enjoyed it hopefully you found it useful if you did hit that like button as I said in honour of the first Saturday deadline of the season and the fact that Karam's earned himself a well earned holiday um, he's actually going to be off next week as well um, he'll be back the following week for stats of the day um, so don't worry guys uh, he, he's going to be gone for a little bit but don't worry he will be back soon and um, if you as it like the video, subscribe to the channel. Um, and hit that bell notification so you don't miss any of additional content. We've got Johnny and Ali coming up on Sunday evening to review the Sunday action and have a look at the game week uh, as a whole in more detail and of course once we get to Monday we're back to our usual burning questions, scout cast, general's orders, goals imminent, the whole lot, all sorts of shows. It's going to be fantastic and of course don't forget to sign up and get yourself a membership to help thoroughly enjoy those, um, those episodes of those shows in conjunction with being able to access the information yourself. Well with that I shall leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your Saturday evening which Whichever part of the world you're enjoying it from, and whatever time of day it is. And I will see you next time.